This Cyclone Fanatic podcast is fueled by Cody Road. And recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. What's up, guys? Welcome into the live tournament edition of Corner 3 here on Cyclone Fanatic on the Cyclone Fanatic social media channels. Uh, all of our tournament coverage is brought to you by our friends at the Carl Auto Group, uh, Country Landscapes, Fairway, and then, of course, Des Moines uh, and Ames Eye Care. I appreciate all of them for helping us being able to cover the tournament. And then, uh, of course, we'd be remiss without a shout-out to our friends at Mechdyne, who have sponsored co- uh, Corner 3 all year long as well. Uh, we appreciate their support of us here at Cyclone Fanatic. Couldn't do any of this stuff without uh, without some of those great people behind us. Uh, got Brent Bloom with me. Bloom, it's been a – I don't think there's any two days on the calendar better than today and tomorrow when you think about, you know, basketball gets going at – for for people in central Iowa, it gets going at 11 o'clock, and then it's just as, you know, it hits halftime of one game. You've got another game to flip on already. It just is, it's nonstop, and it's been it's been really fun because nearly every game we've had so far today has been really good. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the best, and hopefully nobody worked or went to school today. And if you did, what are you doing? First of all, or at least like pretended to work at this point. Um, how's Greensboro? It's great, man. Uh, I had never been to Greensboro before. Well, my hope was that I was going to be able to come back from Greensboro and say to everybody, man, you got to go to Greensboro. You haven't lived until you've been to Greensboro. That's always my hope anytime I go on one of these trips. Uh, To this point, I I, I think I would say that uh, anyone who has missed Greensboro on their trip around the United States is not missing a whole bunch. But that's uh, it's only night or day day two, I suppose. So that could change. What's the Greensboro specialty? Like, is it a is it a I mean, you're is it not barbecue? I mean, what, what, what do we got in Greensboro? What do we what are we what are we working with here? They've got all kinds of breweries. They've got a bunch of distilleries and stuff like that. We went to this place last night, so we tried to go to one place that C Dub wanted to go to, and well, then don't, don't do that first of all. Yeah, well, you know, it was right around it, it was right around dinner time. Place was packed. They were kind of jerks to us, so we were leaving there, and we're like, all right, well, what's close? Right around the corner, there's this place that was one of the 100 best restaurants in the country on Yelp. So we went there, had an incredible steak. It was fantastic. That it was, uh, even though we didn't get into the place we were going to go originally, it was well worth it to just walk around around the corner. So it was a good time. Hope Williams paid for it. You know, with with those big, well, big dollars know. he's bringing in. I don't know if Williams did, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cycle Fanatic picked up the check go. at the very least. Uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, a great, it's a great couple of days. I, you know, I really like the fact that Iowa State plays Friday afternoon and not on Thursday. It just, it. we saw it with the UAB game. How long ago was that now? I mean, eight 20, years ago. 2015, yeah. That yeah. if you lose the very first game, it just ruins the whole weekend. And at the very least, you get to enjoy this with very little stress and just watch good basketball. Uh, and then, you know, Iowa State plays at a good time in the afternoon. And I really like the matchup. I mean, I know Pitt's been playing well, but uh, I think, you know, I listened to all the sound you guys got today and great job of coverage down there with, with you and Sita. But I just think this is a game that if Iowa State had to pick an opponent and everybody's good in the NCAA tournament from a power five conference, I just really like the way Iowa State matches up here. Yeah, Iowa State and Pitt tipping off tomorrow at 210 Central, uh, 310 uh, Eastern time. I I just think that this was a time in the year where Iowa State really needed to play somebody who played a different style from what they're used to. Uh 
man, I thought you even saw, you know, early on in that game against West Virginia, how West Virginia's tenacity, uh, you know, or not against West Virginia, but that game earlier today, West Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia's tenacity early on in that game really knocked Maryland back, you know, credit to the Terrapins for being able to, uh, to make a run back and get into the game and, and ultimately win it. And, you know, that was a really hotly contested game throughout, but, I just feel like Iowa State needs to play a team that they can dictate their pace to, you know, like that. It, we talked about, oh, you got to get back to dictating games to people and things like that. It's just really hard to dictate games to Big 12 teams when they want to dictate games to you as well. When you get a, a team like Pitt, who maybe isn't going to try and play that same style of ball, I just feel like that plays into Iowa State's hands a little bit where it's like, okay, we're you feel comfortable that Iowa State will be able to force them to play the style of game that Iowa State wants to when you couldn't feel that way going game in and game out in the Big 12. Yeah, I really think the the game tomorrow comes down to two numbers, and that's the rebound total. Iowa State, if it wants to win, has to be really good on the offensive glass. And Shun and Trey King and Rob Jones, even Taman Lipsy has been a really good offensive rebounder. Uh, Pitt's not big. Now, they got some length. But they're just not not huge size. So, and, the, and both just talked about it today. The other thing, as important or more important in my mind, I'm going to put the over under of 15 pit turnovers. If Pitt has more than 15 turnovers, I think Iowa State wins and potentially wins, um, you know, close to double figures. If Pitt's under 15 turnovers, it's coming right down to the wire, because that's where Iowa State dictates the tempo and dictates the terms is by turning the other team over and getting layups. And Jeff Capel. The pit head coach even talked about it today. Is like they know that too. And so this isn't a mystery, but Iowa State is so good and so physical that it's tough to adjust to, especially the way Pitt plays. So if Pitt takes care of the ball, then they're going to be in it, and I, and then Iowa State better hope they miss some shots. But if they don't take care of the ball, I think this game really goes in Iowa State's favor. And Pitt does have some good veteran guards. I want to say uh, each of their top five scores are all fifth-year seniors so, or something along those lines. And, I mean, they just have – they have veteran guys who have been in, in big situations before and have played in, in big games uh, already previously. And uh, that's what concerns me. And I think at the end of the day, if Mississippi State is able to hit just a handful more shots, true, they, they win – or they, if they hit one more shot, literally one more shot, they win that game. You know, and I thought it was interesting, you know, every time they would talk to Chris Jans, whether it was at halftime or whether it was, you know, I think halfway through the first half, John Rothstein interviewed him and he said, they're going to break. They're going to break. Like that was what he just kept reiterating. He's like, we're going to break them. And Mississippi State did break them. The only issue is that it was with like 30 seconds. Yeah, like with 90 seconds left in the game. And then Pitt's able to hit a tough shot to be able to win, you know. So how does, for Iowa State, how do you get them to break even just a little bit earlier to be able to take advantage of that and get that to break that dam and be able to go on that run and, and, you know, get that kill shot that's going to be able to ultimately get you the win. Right, because this pit defense, when it goes south, it can get away. And then you look at some of their scores, and they've won a lot of close games, but you know, like the game against Duke in the ACC tournament where it got sideways for them and it did not get any better. And they, they just don't guard well enough. Like we've talked about all week, it's a, it's their profile is so similar to those Hoiberg-era teams um, without maybe the quick tempo. I mean, Pitt plays at a moderately above-average pace. It's not crazy. Um, so, yeah, if, if Iowa State can control the physicality and keep that game, I think, you know, take care of the ball, get quality shots, but as importantly, not let Pitt get into a rhythm on the other end. And I, 
generally, I like Iowa State's chances to do that, of, of keeping control and, and not not letting teams hit a bunch of threes. And Iowa State's going to try and take that away. The great thing is Pitt doesn't really have a go-to post player that I've seen. And so Iowa State can be really aggressive in keeping them off that three-point line. The problem then is not fouling. And so that's the third stat I'm looking at. It's rebounds, turnovers, and if Iowa State cannot get in foul trouble, and it maybe not even foul trouble, just fouling in general. If that if they get fouls up into the 20s and pitch shooting up in the upper 20s and free throws, you can look at Iowa State's numbers and the games it has lost in Big 12 play. A lot of times teams are shooting 25 plus free throws. How the game officiated going from the Big 12 to this style is also a big factor and things you don't really know, but you got to adjust right away. I mean, how many times did Shun or Rob Jones pick up some fouls in the first half? You're just going, why? Like, there's no need for that. You have to know right away what is allowed and what isn't. If, uh, if, if this game gets the same officials that they had on the Southeast Missouri and, uh, man, whoever it was they played, Texas A&M Corpus Christi game on Tuesday night, uh, the Cyclones are in significant trouble. Let me tell you that right now. The, the guys who whistled about 50 fouls, and I think 35 of them were on SEMO. And, and generally, it's especially in these early rounds, you're going to get a lot tighter called games. So I know I, the coaching staff is aware of that, but they, they I mean, you, I'm telling you, that is going to be a critical factor for the result tomorrow afternoon. If Iowa State's in big foul trouble and Pitt is having a parade to the free throw line, it's going to be a long afternoon. And the thing we don't know yet about Pitt is the status of uh, of big man. This is an incredible name, Federico. Federico. Uh, he has been out with a, I think, an ankle injury for the. It uh, was out Tuesday night with, I think, an ankle injury, and then was at shoot around today. But from what I was told, he was really only staying in one spot, shooting jump shots, and didn't really move a whole lot otherwise. So that. And then Jeff Capel said during his press conference there was no update on his status. So I don't think that we're, I don't think you have to feel any better about his chances of playing if you're if you're on that pit side. But uh, that's where if you're going to look at at where Iowa State I think has a significant advantage. I think that it, that painted area is going to be. Iowa State's got to dominate that space. And obviously, you know, Mississippi State tried to do the same thing with Tolu Smith on Tuesday night, uh, but they really only had the one guy that you could kind of throw down there in the mix. I mean, this is where I think Iowa State can separate themselves a little bit from some of the teams in this tournament is that they don't just have one guy that they can throw out there and feel really comfortable with in the front court. I mean, I think you've got four guys that you can play with in your front court that you feel really comfortable. They're going to give you really good minutes anytime that you put them out there. Yeah, and that's the thing is like Pitt is just not big at all, and they're not great post defenders at all, and that's reflected in the numbers. So it's Sashun and Trey King and and Rob Jones and whoever, and even Jaron Holmes, you know, yeah. doing some work in there on the on the dribble drive. Shun has to be good in this tournament. I mean, I've said it all year. I think that kid is so good when he's focused and not in foul trouble. And how? And I, I'll be curious, Jared, how. What Iowa State does, because it's been starting Rob, and I'm guessing they're still going to do that. But when Shun comes in at that 17-minute mark tomorrow, he better be ready to go because he has the ability to take this Iowa State team from a a good team to you know be Sweet 16 and beyond. And he's going to be, a, I think, the most important piece tomorrow as well because they, if he's really good, he can take over in the paint. And we haven't really seen him do it a whole lot. I think that's a credit to the other team's defense for one, and then Shun sometimes being deferential. But these guys just do not have the physicality. If Shun wants to be dominant down there, I think he really can be. 
And I think you can tell pretty early usually in his you minutes uh, the engagement level. And that's not to say that he's not not locked in, but there's just like an energy level and activity level that when he is really locked in, you can really see it and see it immediately when he steps onto the floor. Uh, so that'll yeah. certainly be something yeah. to keep an eye on. And if not him, I really think Trey King has a, has a chance to have a big game tomorrow. I think it sets up well for him, a pit size, that it's not overwhelming. Uh, Trey's been waiting for this opportunity. Williams wrote a really good article about Trey, and you know that's a, that was a long time to wait. But this is why you wait, is to get to this stage. And I'm excited to see what Trey King can do. It would not surprise me at all either. And I'm, I know there's going to be people out there that that laugh at this or don't like this analysis or whatever. It would not surprise me at all if Robert Jones had a really good game. Like if, if there was a time that he was going to have a really big game, me and my buddy Leif have been talking about this every game. There is going to be a night where he's going to go for, you know, 12, 15 points or something like that and play like a really crucial role. And this is the kind of team that I could see that, see that happening against, but he was really uh, good in Kansas city. He was, I got that. He, he was really impactful in both games and His, he will, he will be the most physical player on the floor tomorrow. His minutes against against Baylor in both of those games were fantastic. I mean, he he was great in, in both of those last two games they played against the and Bears. He, and he had some good minutes in the NCAA tournament last year. And so that's this is the other thing. Um, I thought it was a good discussion by both coaches today during the press conferences. Who has the advantage? You've got you've got Pitt that played in the game on Tuesday night, but then has that quick turnaround. You have Iowa State who didn't play, but more of Iowa State guys have played in – you know, big time atmosphere in the NCAA tournament before because most of those Iowa State guys played last year. So we'll see. I think it'll be an interesting who's ready to go when that ball tips off. All right. So let's talk about the Blake Henson story just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's some not necessarily updates to the story after today, uh, but I think just some, some further context. Blake did not really want to talk about uh, the experience at Iowa State, and I, he made that pretty blatantly clear uh, when asked about five or six questions about it during their press conference. And uh, I don't think anybody, you know, I don't think anybody can blame him. Like, obviously it's in the past. He never played a game for Iowa state or anything like that. Uh, It would not surprise me if there's some, you know, a little bit of bad blood there though, where uh, added motivation, I think maybe on both sides, an element of, you know, for him, maybe thinking that uh, he didn't get, necessarily a fair shake to to be able to prove the kind of player that he is at Iowa State and then you know at Iowa State maybe a little bit of some of those guys obviously Robert Jazz was his roommate uh in their time at uh, when you know when they were together in Ames and then uh Gabe was with them as well uh maybe a feeling of of someone who wasn't prepared to to buy into the way that Iowa State wanted to do things you know a year and a half ago yeah, I mean, I would say more the more emotion is going to be on Blake's side, not Iowa State, because honestly, he's the one who, if there was somebody who got disrespected in that whole situation, it'd be Blake, mm-hmm. whether fair or not. It'd be the same as why Iowa State probably had more emotion playing Tyrese Hunter than Tyrese did when he came back to Ames, because Iowa State was the one disrespected by Tyrese. That's not to say that anybody made a poor decision. It worked out well for both, and Blake's had a great year, but that can work two ways. Uh, you've played basketball at a high level. If you're overly emotional, it can actually be a detriment. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets a little chippy, too, because I mean, Iowa State's got some guys that will not back down, even the guys that didn't play with Blake. Um, they're not afraid of it. So, yeah, I, I think this will be a physical game, and I bet, I'm sure Hinson will want to set the tone because, honestly, the knock when he was at Iowa State is he wasn't a physical defender. And so what's a way to show that, hey, 
I'm pretty good too, is maybe you make your presence known. If he, he might make a statement, good or bad, within the first couple of minutes um, and, and make sure that Iowa State is aware he is on the floor. I would be very surprised if he does not pull some shots, oh, uh, yeah. a bunch of shots early in the game. And he's going to really try and, you know, he's willing to shoot that thing from anywhere, at, at, from anywhere once you get across half court. And then he'll tr- really try and work that mid post area and try and make things happen down there uh, as well. He, yeah. he impressed me the other night, though. I, I won't lie. I, I was impressed by what he put out there. Yeah. He able to score. I mean, that was never the problem. He scored even when his time and aims during practice. It's just the buying into the whole thing and Iowa State went a different direction and it, it worked out for Iowa State and um, Blake's had a great year. So I don't think this you, is an you, okay. Yeah. You add his shot making ability to the to the twenty 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 one cyclones, they win at least three big twelve games. Uh I tried to forget all about that. I'm glad <laughs> I don't see Mississippi State for that. It just brought some bad memories oh, from that one day in wherever they're at, Starkville. Yeah, is Arizona no. going to lose this game? It, it sure looks that My way. Goodness, Arizona, what are we doing? Man, this this would make you think that Pete Carrill's out there on the sidelines uh, here for the I, for the Tigers. So, anytime a two seed loses is a good day in my household. Um, until they show that little Hampton coach being carried around the floor. I believe they already did. Sorry for saying the word Hampton, everybody. I will not cuss on the show anymore. Uh, all right, so make your pick. Do you think Iowa State wins the game tomorrow? I, I do. I do. I, I like Iowa State somewhere in the 74-68 arena. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair – I think that's fair. I think Iowa State's going to come out and be able to score better than what maybe we uh, have seen them during the tail in a Big 12 play. So I, I'd be right there in that same range. I think Iowa State will win as well. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of these other big – these other games from uh, the NCAA tournament earlier today, West Virginia with the one, uh, the one loss uh, for the first loss for the big 12 loss to Maryland in the first game of the day. Uh, there were some guys in the media room asking the question of this, of this, if this would be it for Bob Huggins. Uh, I, I don't think that that's the case, but man, I guess it wouldn't necessarily shock me if that did end up being the case. Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what they have coming back and, um, what he what his timeline is i mean he's not a guy that seems overly enthused with this new era of college basketball but i think he really started to grow to like this current team so depending mm-hmm. on who comes back and and honestly what else is that guy gonna do so <laughs> i mean he's at his hometown school i don't and he's he's not old he's but he's a hall of famer man he's he, a hall of famer, he, right? he can go be, he can go start bob huggins's bar and just and kick it and be hall of famer bob huggins he's doing that already like i don't I mean anyway i i don't see him I, I, I'd be surprised if he left, but there's been a lot of the old guard leave in the last couple of years because of this new era. Yeah, I just think that'll be – it'll be interesting to watch. I think it'll just be interesting to see how that team comes together for next year. I feel like that program is just in a really weird position right now. Yeah, and they and they just – it's just hard to know where they're trying to go. Like, it, it just it, – it, they had a, a run there. They were really good, but then it just they – they don't make enough shots and anyway. Arizona is going to lose to Princeton. They are going to lose to Princeton. Uh, Furman upset Virginia. One of the most boneheaded moments, I think, in uh, in the history of this tournament when when Kihei Clark with the the over his head pass yeah. to tr- the back to half court. I mean, that was an all time. What the hell are you doing, my with, man? With the type of moment. With the yeah. timeout left. 
And that's a guy who's a veteran player, you know, played, he was on their national championship team. I think he was even on the team that lost to UMBC the year before that, like that guy's been in college for a long time for him to make that play uh, really surprising, but, but good on the Paladins for taking advantage of it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I would emphasize. I mean, this thing is such, it's, it's called madness for a reason. It's, it's hard to really gauge your season just on how you do in March. Did Arizona have a good season? Absolutely. I mean, they won the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, they were a top-10 team all year. But is this a disappointment for them? Absolutely. But when these – I've always said the NCAA tournament is the greatest and the worst way to determine a champion because you just – you have a bad day and you're going to lose. And everybody who's watched even Iowa State or Virginia or Arizona, similar story, anybody can have a bad day. And, it, and if that's the case, you're going to lose. It's basically whoever wins the tournament is a team that does not have a bad day in, in six straight games. And that's what it comes down to. So I think you, you're going to see more of this tonight and then tomorrow where there's going to be a lot of games and you've seen a bunch of them already come right down to the wire and who makes the mistake that, that costs the team. Uh, KU was another one of the stories of the day. This I saw this stat just a little bit ago. Kansas has now won a game in the NCAA tournament in 16 straight years. Which is remarkable and about as good as, I think, that's got to be as good as a run about anybody. I mean, it just yeah. shows, one, they've been seated high, so that's helped. But they're just really good. And, you know, that team looked looked the part again today. If they if they play a team without, with, without a dominant big guy, I think they they could win the whole thing, but if they mm-hmm. play it, if they run up to a physical team um, that they've done, I, I think they, somebody could give them problems. But man, good for them. They look they looked the part and they, they represented well in Des Moines. Lucky to see Zach Eady on the other side of the bracket. I think if uh, if yes. the Jayhawks want to win yeah, the national I mean, I title, I have no idea how how they would try and defend that guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, three Big 12 games coming up tomorrow. Texas and Colgate is tonight, but just for the sake of keeping this podcast relatively timely, we won't dive too deep into that one. Uh, Baylor versus UC Santa Barbara, kind of a trendy upset pick right now, I think. Uh, the Bears, there were some things about them in Kansas City that give me significant pause on having them go too deeply into the tournament. I think I have them losing in the second round and uh, in my bracket, but I do think that they come out and win this game, uh, especially now. You know, a lot of people have picked against them, so I would think that that is, is a motivating factor. Those guards are so good that if they're good, then they're they're. I mean, Iowa State was like the po- worst possible matchup for them, and it has shown. And I think that's probably taken, um, you know, some of the luster off for them. But that's still a really good backcourt. And you give me Flagler, George, and Cryer, I'm going to win a lot of games in the NCAA tournament. So I, I'm not as concerned about them. I think they roll the Gauchos. I think. Uh... I had completely forgotten that Kansas State was in Greensboro until I saw Kellis Robinette and uh, and Blair Kirkhoff and all those guys, all those guys from the the Kansas City area papers uh, this afternoon. I was like, wait, who is here that these guys would be with? And I remembered that it was Kansas State, but uh, they play Montana State tomorrow. I I think Kansas State's team is good enough to go to the final four if they those two players, Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, are playing well because those two guys are really good. But, man, you just rely so much on those two guys to get things done for you that it they scare me against any team that they play. Yeah, I wouldn't have too much confidence in, in them making a deep run. But, again, to the overarching point, nothing surprises me this year. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it's it's wild. It's going to be interesting. I I think the Big 12 has shown well. in the Again, it's been an afternoon of basketball. 
um, and Maryland beat West Virginia. But I think, like you said earlier, the physicality was evident in the first 10 minutes. Now, Maryland did a good, good, good job adjusting. But the metrics can't lie that much. I think the Big 12 is going to be going to show really well here in the first couple of days. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they have several teams in the Sweet 16. All right. And then TCU and Arizona State. Arizona State looked really good last night against Steve Alford in, uh, in Nevada. Uh, but TCU, man, I think that that team, if, if people are still thinking about a dark horse Final Four team or someone that could shock some people, I think that TCU is definitely one of those teams. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, is the Lampkin thing good or bad? I don't know. So, I mean, that's not a team with great size. But I guess the more I talk through this, there's just not a whole lot of great post play this year in college basketball either, other than Edie. Um, and that's why I think if Iowa State, you know, if Shoon can be good. Anyway, I, I'm going to keep talking about that. But, um, yeah, I think uh, TCU is a dark horse, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they lose tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right there with this you. Great <laughs> analysis by me. It's like, well, you know. It's disappointing that it's that the post play is like that in college basketball this year when it was supposed to be the year of the big man with all those guys coming back. You had Hunter Dickinson, Armando Baycott. I mean, those guys aren't even in the tournament. You know? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it it just goes to show that are, is are, is the big man going away, Jared? Is no, no? come on, come on, no. we're never going away. We're never going away. It, I think we're on the we're on the early portion of the swing back. You know, okay. it, it's just a little bit of a downturn here. We're, but we're good. We're good. Uh, no, it's those, all right. No, those big guys need some shooters, though. I mean, it all works together. You can't yeah, rely maybe it, that's what it is. It's the it's the guards that aren't knocking down their shots, man. If if Caleb Love and R.J. Davis would have done more than just yeah, try and go yeah. back and forth isolating, then maybe Armando Baycott could have put the heels on his back. But here we are. They're they're turning down the NIT. Yeah, the preseason number one team in the country turns down the NIT. What what in the world? Yeah, that's crazy. All right, man. Uh, Want to shout out our sponsors again: Carl Auto Group, uh, Country Landscapes, Fairway, and then Des Moines and Ames Eye Care. Uh, appreciate you, Bloom, for yeah. for stepping with us. I did want to mention one thing. We're so to celebrate uh, the sweet or excuse me, the Sweet Sixteen. I wish, hopefully, uh, the NCAA tournament. We're giving away a signed men's and signed women's basketball, and we will collect it. So go to wewillcollective.com and see a link to the giveaway. And again, no no donation needed, just a free giveaway to hopefully encourage people to, to learn more about what we're doing. Thanks to everybody who tuned in on our, uh, our social media channels and uh, everybody who listens up to the podcast. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace. Cheers.